Welcome to So Says Rick. Mostly True Stories by Rick Hall. Hello, my loyal listeners. Well, I am flying solo this week. Laura is so busy with the show at Pasadena Playhouse that she said, Take off the training wheels, Rick. Go for a ride. And I am. I'm doing this episode myself. By the way, the show she's doing is called Head Over Heels, and it features music from the Go-Go's, and Laura will be on stage directing the band and playing keyboards, and she might have to wear a miniskirt and a wig. We don't know yet. We're close to Halloween, so this is our Halloween episode, and I have a story that I have not told very often because it's a ghost story, and until I encountered this ghost, I didn't believe in them. It happened at the McMurray College Theater in Jacksonville, Illinois, and this is one of those stories that is pretty much true. If you're from McMurray, I did change a few names to protect the innocent, but other than that, this is pretty much a true story. I will say one thing. In the telling of the story, I think I seem a little braver than I was. I was terrified during this whole experience. So keep that in mind when you listen to the story. And then we're going to close the show with a song that Laura recorded a few years ago called The Fair. And it's all about a carnival that is abandoned and all the rides are rusty and creepy, creepy song. As a matter of fact, if you're intrigued and want to get the full impact of the visual that goes with this, she produced a video that's on YouTube. Look up Laura Hall. So, let's get to it. My story is called The Ghost in the Theater. When Anthony Steinbach told me that the McMurray College Theater building was haunted, I didn't believe him. He tended to be overdramatic. Anyone who saw his performance in Death of a Salesman will back me up on that. But as it turns out, Anthony wasn't the only one with ghost stories about that old building. Clearly, it was part of the folklore of the college theater told to the freshmen who would pass it on when they were upperclassmen. The ghost in the theater even had a name, Stymie. Several theater majors told me of being in the basement late at night and hearing footsteps on the stage right above them, or the sounds of furniture being dragged across the floor in the loft. Or while sitting in the basement costume shop late at night, a cold wind would rush into the room. The problem with all these stories is that they all ended the same way. I knew it was stymie. I ran out of the building. I will never be in there at night alone again. And just like that, they lost me. First off, I didn't believe in ghosts. Secondly, college students are always pulling pranks on each other. And most of the upperclassmen had a key to the building. It was easy to disregard their stories about Stymie, until it happened to me. The McMurray College Theater was an old brick building that stood alone on the north edge of the campus. It was built in the 1920s and had quite a history. For a long time, it had been a part of the old Catholic Church, the Fellowship Hall, where the nuns served meals to the needy. In the 1950s, the building was an auto repair shop. Then, in the 60s, McMurray College bought the building because its big open area, where cars had been repaired and church meals had been served, was perfect for a theater. 
From the stage, you looked into the house, of course, and at the back wall of the house were two classrooms with a theater lobby between them. Above that was a loft with a light booth in the middle flanked by open areas on both sides, where props and furniture from past shows were stored. I always thought it was kind of funny that if the audience looked behind them, they could see all that clutter in the loft. When I asked Dr. Laurent why we didn't hang curtains over the front of the loft, he said, If the audience is looking behind them instead of at the stage, we're doing it wrong. Under the stage was the basement with offices and dressing rooms. The creaky old building was far from being high-tech, but it had a kind of homey charm. Halfway through my sophomore year, I was given a key to the theater. I loved the idea of having the key. I mean, I could run lines for a show late at night right on the stage, or use the fancy IBM Selectric in the office to type a term paper, or make out with a girl who was painting flats late into the night. Okay, I only did that once. Well, maybe twice. I was alone in the basement office typing a term paper late one night when I heard someone walking around on the stage. The ceiling was so low in the basement that when I stood up, I could touch it, and I could feel the footsteps right above me. I knew Bob White, the security guy, did a walkthrough every night, and I thought it would be funny to give him a little scare by sneaking up the stairs. I crept up the wooden steps as quietly as I could. When one of the steps creaked, I sprang up the last few steps and flipped on the stage work lights. How's it going, Bob? Bob wasn't there. The stage was empty. I knew it wouldn't be possible for someone to jump off the stage, run through the house, and out the front door of the theater without being heard. The old building was not that forgiving. As a matter of fact, during a show, if people in the audience shifted their weight, the floor creaked. Tonight, in the empty theater, it was silent. My heart was racing, but I tried not to show how freaked out I was because I was hoping that one of my friends would jump up from behind a row of chairs and say, Gotcha! But it didn't happen, and I checked behind every row of chairs. I went back downstairs and talked myself out of believing what had just happened. I was all in my mind. I'd heard too many ghost stories about Stymie. It took me a while to get refocused on my term paper, but eventually I got my rhythm back and was typing until I heard the footsteps again, right above me. I didn't try to sneak up on anybody this time. I bounded up the stairs. I'd left the work lights on on the stage, and when I got to the top, I could see a dark figure moving on the other side of some flats. Hey, I yelled. Holy crap, you scared the wadden out of me, Ricky boy. It was Bob White making his rounds. Sorry, Bob, I'm a little jumpy. I, I thought I heard footsteps up here a while ago, but I couldn't find anybody. Oh, you probably did. I hear weird stuff all the time when I come in here late at night. It creeps me out. Hey, Bob, can I uh, walk out with you? Yep, I could use the company. The next day, I didn't try to tell my friends what happened the night before because, well, I wasn't sure what had happened myself. Plus, by the light of day, it all seemed kind of silly. I didn't want to sound like Anthony Steinbach. The next time I worked late, alone at the theater, I was in one of the classrooms off the lobby watching a videotape of a show we'd done. For some reason, it was freezing cold in the classroom. I decided to grab a sweater from the costume department in the basement, but when I left the classroom, it was warm in the rest of the building. I went back into the classroom, and it was cold. 
really cold. I was determined not to be scared off, so I got the sweater, went back into the freezing cold classroom, and finished watching the tape. The next day, when I told my buddies in the dorm, they all laughed and made fun of me, of course. But when I told my theater friends, they all said, That's Stymie. You should get out of there when you hear him. Who knows what he'll do to you? I was determined not to be frightened away. I continued to work late nights at the theater, and I can't count how many times I heard unexplained sounds in the building. At first, I'd drop what I was doing and investigate, but eventually, I'd just pause for a minute, then go back to work. One night, I was in the basement using the fancy typewriter again when I heard thunder. It's about to storm, I thought. I stood at the bottom of the stairs and listened for rain on the roof. The thunder continued, but no rain, and that's when I realized that the sound I heard that was loud enough to be thunder outside was actually inside the building. Somebody was trying to get my attention. I held my breath and kept listening. It sounded like a large piece of furniture was being dragged across the floor. I vaulted up the stairs and stood on the stage. The sound was coming from the right side of the open loft area. Light spilled from the house into the front part of the loft, but the back part was in shadows. I looked directly in the shadow where the sound was coming from. The rumbling continued for just a second, stopped with a thud, and then something smaller, like a chair, got knocked over. Even though I couldn't see into the shadow, I knew that someone or something was looking at me. I didn't move. I didn't breathe. I knew that if someone was up there, a mere shifting of their weight would be heard. Any movement in the loft could be heard clearly from below. I stood there for several minutes, just looking at that spot. My first impulse was to leave. But I knew I couldn't ignore this. If I didn't check it out, I would never know. And to me, that was scarier than going to investigate. I wanted to grab a flashlight. I knew there was one in the basement, but even a quick trip down the stairs to retrieve it would have left time for someone to escape the loft. So I proceeded without it. The only access to the loft was a set of stairs that pulled down into the classroom on the right. You know those stairs that lead up to your grandma's attic? Yeah, that kind. I knew that if I climbed those stairs, I would enter the loft within a couple feet of where the sound was, where Stymie was. I decided, okay, that's too darn scary. I went into the classroom and made sure the stairs weren't down. If someone was up there, then they would have to jump from the loft, a twelve-foot drop. No one could do that undetected. I went back into the house. Under the left side of the loft, some platforms were stacked up. I climbed on top of the pile, jumped up, grabbed the edge of the loft, and started to pull myself up. At this moment, I knew I was in a vulnerable position. I mean, if an axe-wielding murderer was up there and two hands appeared on the edge, you wouldn't have to be a rocket scientist to calculate where my head was going to pop up. But I also knew no one could have moved from the other side of the loft behind the light booth to my side undetected. A ghost, on the other hand? I wasn't so sure. I pulled myself up and stopped and listened. I stood up and checked the area where the light spilled into the loft. The area was clear. Then I stepped into the shadows. That's when I wished I had that flashlight. Eventually my eyes adjusted to the darkness. I checked every nook and cranny on the left side of the loft. 
I walked past the light booth and shut the door. I would check inside the booth last. Directly behind the light booth was a long costume closet. I had to check it thoroughly. Someone could easily hide in there. I found a sturdy wooden dowel rod leaning against the wall. I opened the door, checked under the hanging clothes, and then, to be sure, I started jabbing the dowel into the clothing hard enough to hit the back wall, moving a few inches after each jab. I had no idea what I would do if I hit a human body, but again, my fear of not knowing was more powerful than my fear of checking. I made it all the way to the far end of it, and no one was there. I turned to face the place in the shadow where I'd heard the sound, and I walked to that exact spot, the spot where I'd been staring just ten minutes earlier. Now I could see a large dresser, and next to it a small end table laying on its side. The dust on the floor was thick, and I could see marks where the dresser had been dragged back and forth. I gave the dresser a push. It was heavy, but when it moved, I heard the same thunder again. I was in the exact spot where Stymie had been. I stepped back and saw my footprints in the dust. Just my prints, no others. I checked the front of the loft where the light spilled in from the house, and I checked in the booth, but I knew I wouldn't find anybody or anything. I couldn't lower the steps into the classroom from above, so I crawled down from the loft the same way I came up. I went to the stage and sat down on it, facing the loft. I heard nothing and I saw no one, but I knew I wasn't alone. From the shadows in the loft I could feel eyes on me again. Okay, I hesitate to tell you this part, because if you thought I was kind of crazy for everything I'd done up until now, the next thing I did will confirm the diagnosis. I started talking to Stymie. Hello, Stymie. I'm Rick. I'm sorry I have to call you Stymie, but I don't know your real name. I don't even know if you're a man or a woman, or were a man or a woman. I hope you're not lonely, but I bet you are. Stymie, I'm not afraid of you anymore. I was at first, but I'm not now. I don't think you want to hurt me or anybody, or you would have done it by now. I didn't know what else to say, so I stopped talking and waited for a response, but there was none. I just sat with Stymie for a while. I tried to imagine who Stymie was. The spirit of a nun who had passed away in the building, or a mechanic who had been crushed by a car when it fell off the jack. And why had the spirit stayed in the building? After a while, I said goodnight to Stymie and walked down campus. It was 4.15 when I got to my dorm. The late hour didn't matter. I knew I wasn't going to sleep. I wasn't sure I wanted to tell anyone what happened. I knew if someone told me this story, I'd just assume they'd let their imagination run wild. And even if I did tell someone, I wouldn't tell them about my one-sided conversation with Stymie. I mean, finding a ghost is one thing, but talking to him just confirms the crazy. And to be honest, I didn't care what anybody else thought. I still don't. I mean, I had checked every nook and cranny in that loft. I knew without a doubt that there was some spirit, a ghost we all called Stymie, in the McMurray College Theater. Walk to the fair and you'll find that the rides have all stopped, all illusions have faded away. Talk to the gypsy who sells cotton candy. 
Okay, that song is creepy. And the video is even creepier. Go on YouTube, look up Laura Hall, and check it out. The thing I want to ask Laura next episode when she's back here is, okay, my story is a true story that happened to me, but this song we just heard, Laura made up in her mind. Maybe there are things about Laura I don't know. Well, there's something to think about. Happy Halloween, everyone. Ha 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 